You're listening to Aussie Fire, a guide to financial independence for Australians. We're big fans of sharing experiences and talking about money. But remember, any advice is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs or objectives. So consider whether it's appropriate for you. Chapter 2. Debt. The Good, the Bad and the Tolerable by Aussie Doc Freedom. Consumer debt is a common trap and a stealthy destroyer of personal wealth. But debt can be necessary and even used as a powerful tool for reaching financial independence. There is a scale from terrible, almost life-destroying debt to good debt used efficiently to build wealth. In this chapter, we'll get into the nitty-gritty details about the different types of debt and general debt considerations. Specifically, what is bad debt? What is tolerable debt? What is good debt? When good debt turns bad and advanced debt utilisation. So what is bad debt? Many individuals are stuck in a bad debt cycle, often through extremely difficult circumstances. If income is less than your expenses and you are forced to borrow for essential needs such as groceries, the situation is pretty dire. Even a small deficit, say $10 a month, will accrue debt, which becomes much harder to pay off over time. Add interest and late fees and this can become a nightmare downward spiral. In the Aussie Fire ebook, you'll see a graph demonstrating the accumulation of debt over 12 months from charging $100 per month onto a credit card, charging 29.9% annual interest. Others, not through necessity, but a lack of understanding, choose to enter the bad debt cycle. Consumer debt is what is generally meant by bad debt. It is debt used to buy goods that are consumed or assets that will not grow in value. Classic examples include car loans, credit card, shopping therapy, and borrowing to buy a boat. Paying interest on debt that is not essential to buy assets that lose value once purchased is a little insane, but people do it all the time. I deserve it, and I can afford the repayments are common justifications. It's time to share a big chunk of my future wealth with a bank or credit card company, admitted no one ever. It's easy to miss the significance of accumulating consumer debt when the repayments are affordable and the purchase desirable. But just as in a poverty-induced debt spiral, the debt becomes harder to repay over time. All income levels are susceptible to this, including high-income earners, who tend to just borrow bigger and brasher. The repayments may be manageable, but they are stealing your opportunity to build wealth. You may have heard of the debt snowball and debt avalanche, which encouragingly make debt payoff sound easy. But there is a long period before the snowball or avalanche begin where you're just trying to make a dent in that huge debt. Most of your cash is going to interest until you can start to make a significant impact on the principal. I call this the debt dung ball. It always takes far too long to pay off debt. If you're ever thinking of going down this road, take a quick look at the Money Smart website's credit card repayment calculator to make sure you're going into the decision with eyes wide open. Car loans. A car purchase commits you to many additional expenses, including registration, insurance, fuel and maintenance. 
If you need a car, it is wise to limit the damage as much as possible. As soon as you purchase a vehicle, it is losing value over time, or depreciating. New cars depreciate quickest in the first five years, making second-hand cars better value in general. Borrowing to buy a car adds interest to the cost of your car, boosting the negative effect on your long-term wealth. People often borrow from the mortgages to buy a new car due to the low interest rates incurred. At record low interest rates of 3%, a modest $30,000 car paid off over five years will cost an extra $13,125 in interest. If you paid the debt off over 15 years instead of five, it will cost you another $30,711 in interest, even at 3%, effectively doubling the cost of your car. But yes, if you have to borrow to buy a car and your repayment behaviour will remain unchanged, then it makes sense to use the mortgage. It's really best not to borrow for cars, though. Personal loans, credit cards and buy now, pay later. Personal loans currently charge around 6-8%. to They are often used for boats, cars, holidays and general living beyond means expenses. The value of these purchases decrease over time and the interest rate is significant. The widening gap between asset value decreasing over time and total cost paid increasing over time with interest is the exact opposite of what you want to achieve in order to build wealth. And you can see this demonstrated in a graph in the ebook online. If you want to be dirt poor, one of the fastest ways to do it is by letting credit card companies scalp you between 12 and 30% interest on depreciating goods. It's brutal. Buy now, pay later schemes are similar to a credit card with an interest-free period. Potentially free if paid off without fail, but quickly punished with fees if repayments are late. They tend to be used for retail purchases which then fall in value after purchase. These are all methods to spend more than you earn and slowly degrade your future wealth. What is tolerable debt? Tolerable debt is often debt that you cannot avoid. In the original example, the first $10 debt to buy groceries may be tolerable to allow time for extra income to be earned to make up the deficit. A car loan may be tolerable debt if there is no other way to get to work to earn an income, i.e. no available public transport. In these cases, the bare minimum debt should be incurred at the lowest interest rate. Pay the debt off as fast as humanly possible to get back on track. Home loans, in some cases, are tolerable debts too. If the home is not an investment you would purchase for its growth potential, it is a tolerable rather than good debt. Many towns have average or worse capital growth expectations for property. It makes a lot of sense to keep the home mortgage modest in these circumstances and leave borrowing power for better quality investment assets. What is good debt? Good debts are those used to buy assets that grow in value or appreciate over time. The intention of taking on these debts is to increase the net wealth of the borrower despite the interest paid. For a debt to be classed as good, the asset must have an expected after-tax return greater than the interest rate paid. Good debt loans usually charge the lower end of interest rates available at the time. Taking on good debt does involve risk though and can sometimes go badly. To make an informed decision taking on a good debt, it's important to understand all the potential risks as well as your risk tolerance. Borrowing to buy property 
Borrowing to buy a carefully chosen home or investment property can be considered good debt. This can be a powerful way to build wealth. But expected and actual after-tax returns must be greater than interest paid to make debt productive. It is not enough to buy any asset, including property, and expect it to perform well. In 2010, Amy incurred $400,000 of supposedly good debt to buy an investment property. Amy followed her friends who had made significant profit in Darwin properties. She bought a nearby four-bedroom home on plenty of land. A decade later, the house is now worth $325,000, $75,000 less than she purchased it for. The bank doesn't care she hasn't made a profit, as Amy has to pay the interest regardless of the property's performance. To make matters worse, in order to free herself of the underperforming property, Amy will need to find $75,000 to pay out the remainder of the loan if she sells. Amy is not alone. Many investors have investment properties worth far less than they owe, with their borrowing capacity tied up in an asset too expensive to sell. Borrowing to buy shares Other investment loans, for example borrowing to buy shares, are also traditionally considered good debts. The long-term returns for the ASX since 1900 are an incredible 11.8% per annum. Borrowing at 3% to buy and hold shares over the long term would be a productive debt, as long as returns are greater than the interest paid over this period. This, of course, is never guaranteed. Student loans Borrowing money to study is generally considered a good debt. The qualification should be to work in a field you will enjoy long term. If you will be able to secure work after graduation and the income over the long term will compensate for the time and money spent studying, student loans can be a very effective use of debt. Taking on student debt and failing to complete your qualification is a regrettable waste of money and time. Debt is not forgiven if you drop out or change courses multiple times. If there is little employment in the field your study qualifies you for, high levels of competition or poor pay, the financial burden taken on may not be worthwhile. This is a huge decision to make at 18 or so. If in doubt, consider a year of work experience to give you time and insight. Home renovations. Borrowing to improve your home can be a good debt, but rarely is. The resulting value of the renovated property should compensate for the amount paid for the renovation, including interest. It is very easy to overcapitalize on your home by improving it beyond the top price of the suburb and the street. This then becomes a lifestyle choice, best not funded with bad debt. But if you are keen to improve your home, assess what the realistic best post-renovation valuation is and use this to guide your budget. If you are investing for lifestyle, consider saving and paying with cash to minimize the negative financial impact. Small business. Small business debt can be a very powerful use of debt. Business is a rapid wealth builder if successful, but it is also very high risk. According to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, more than 60% of small businesses fail within three years. Debt taken on to fund a small business that fails is obviously a bad debt. 
A small business idea should be thoroughly thought out, researched and planned with realistic risk management before any debt is taken on. Debt for cash flow. Cash flow is king is a common catchphrase among investors. Everyone needs adequate cash flow to get them through rough times. When taking on your biggest debt, a mortgage, consider borrowing that little bit extra to stock an emergency fund. Owners are usually most vulnerable in the first year or two of a mortgage, whether that be home or investment. Stashing any extra borrowed along with your ongoing savings in a 100% offset account is ideal. You will not pay interest on the money while it's in your offset account. So as long as you don't raid it for non-emergency spending, you will pay no more interest and have added flexibility. Debt for tax optimization. Paying off the home mortgage is a psychologically tempting prize. Flexibility here should be considered in case of job loss or other unanticipated disasters. Placing extra funds into an offset account rather than a redraw facility means you can withdraw your money without the bank's consent. If circumstances change, banks can stop you redrawing money, but they can't stop you accessing your savings from an offset account. Circumstances also often change more than anticipated. The home you plan to live in forever may eventually become the perfect rental property if you move. If you have paid down the mortgage, you can't then redraw the money and make that interest tax deductible. If you have only parked the extra cash in the offset account, you can move your cash and continue to deduct interest paid against rental income. See the image in the ebook that demonstrates the continuum between good debt with rates of 2 to 4% all the way to bad debt with interest rates of up to 30% and some of the examples of those types of debt. When good debt turns bad. Bad timing. Whatever asset class you invest in, no one is able to tell you what the returns will be in 10 years' time. Borrowing to invest at a bad time can result in several years of negative growth. This tends to happen when an asset class has done particularly well over the preceding years. It's been in the news constantly. Everyone is talking about it. And those not already invested feel they are missing out. An unpredictable amount of time passes and the peak of the market declares itself when the asset price collapses devastating to those leveraged into the investment. If you borrow to invest, you must be able to manage this risk. Resist the temptation to follow the crowd. Be suspicious anytime there is excitement over a particular investment class. Only invest for the long term. If a reasonable investment is held long enough, it is likely to recover and benefit from another period of growth. If sold, you crystallise the loss and pay interest for the pleasure. Default risk. Good debt can turn bad quickly in the event of being unable to service the debt. Underestimating holding costs of property, failing to anticipate future increases in expenses or drops in income can cause loan defaults or forced selling at the wrong time. Before taking on good debt, carefully identify and minimise all risks. Opportunity cost. 
even when you have a good debt, there may be better opportunities for it. Buying your own home would be generally be considered a good or tolerable debt. Perhaps the expected capital growth for that home is little over the interest paid at 4%. Depending on your risk profile, future plans and preferences, there may be a more efficient use of that borrowing power. See chapters 19 and 20. Every time you decide to take on debt, it is worth considering whether there is a better use for that debt. Everyone has limited borrowing power. Use it effectively. Advanced debt utilisation. Credit score and rewards. Credit scores are how lending institutions assess your reliability to pay back debt. Having a good credit score makes it easier to get a loan, may increase the amount you can borrow and lower the interest rate. It is not impossible to get a loan without a credit history, but it may be harder. If you have utility bills, a mobile phone or any other history of borrowing, you will have a credit score. You can obtain a free copy of your credit score from Equifax annually and monitor it month to month at creditsavvy.com.au. This is important to monitor for mistakes on your file and the effects of credit card applications, particularly for travel hackers. Credit cards can be a tool to build a better credit rating over 12 months or more for those wanting to secure a mortgage at a great rate. It is a lot easier to spend excessively with plastic than cash. Don't get a credit card if you're not sure you can control your spending and pay the full balance every month without fail. If you feel you can handle credit cards, consider finding one with no annual fee. You need to outplay the credit card company. They want you to spend on your card, fail to pay it off completely and start paying them ever-increasing interest. Organise the full balance to be paid off each month automatically through the credit company. Make sure you will never pay them a dollar in interest or late fees through missed repayments. Debt to income ratio. How much debt should you take on? Any debt is unproductive if you are unable to consistently make repayments without putting stress on your household. A common rule of thumb is that home mortgage repayments should be less than 30% of your take-home pay. If you maximise this, you are using most of your borrowing power, limiting opportunities for leveraging into investments. There is no acceptable limit for bad debts. They are devastating your finances, so should be eliminated ASAP. Total debt repayments, including good debt, should only be pushed higher than 30% if you have assessed expenses, risks, future changes to income and expenses, and have a generous emergency fund saved. About Aussie Doc Freedom Cheryl from Aussie Doc Freedom has spent much of her life with her nose in a book, either studying medicine or learning about finance. She discovered and enthusiastically embraced the financial independence framework as a structure for her tangled ideas around values-based spending, freedom, and choice. She is pursuing FI, planning to perform part-time work that she loves, and leaving plenty of time to spend with her beautiful boys. Follow her journey at aussiedocfreedom.com. We hope you enjoyed this chapter of Aussie Fire. For more inspiration, head to perla.com explore to browse our resources, 
calculators, and community insights. Perla is an authorized representative, number 1281540, of Sandlam Private Wealth Proprietary Limited, AFSL 337927. Knowledge is power, especially when investing. So always seek advice and or check out the relevant disclosure document for any financial product, including the PDS and TMD before deciding, which is available from the product issuer's website. When you invest, your capital is at risk and past performance is not a reliable indicator of future investment returns.